Hey, Craig, welcome back. Dude, again, a sign of my overly dramatic self. I was about to pray full deliverance over this laptop. Just <laughs> stopping us from in having a podcast. Of, you know what? And I, <laughs> I don't say that like like I, like in a humorous way. I'm actually kind of like joyful that you did because we don't we don't we don't see that too often in Catholics. We don't see that full on charismatic self coming out. Oh, I was so close. I know a full chant too. It's great. Do you know how much times as a child I unironically just shouted away Satan at the most mild inconvenience? That is kind of amazing. <laughs> kind of amazing. Like, it's one of the good habits I picked up as a child, but anytime, like, if I trip or I stumble even a little bit, I'll actually start praying on the way down. It's the funniest thing to see. <laughs> So I'm, I'm hoping that like one day I'll get to see you like full on like Rory and chant as you like tripping over in slow motion. And before you hit the ground, the Holy Spirit's going to put like a pillow down and you'll kind of just like float for a second and then just fall. Letting you down lightly. That's it. That's my miracle. It's going to be the most unassuming, random, just out of nowhere. Patron saint of awkwardness, patron saint of, I don't know. We'll figure that out later. But, so basically, all right, yeah. Craig, the reason we're calling you at this godless hour of the evening is because I just had a revelation. Now, okay, clarify, I was, li- I was listening to Clerically Speaking talking about desire, and from that, I just had a revelation. Because to... So like too often, right, when we're talking about um, the desires people have in our society, it's always from the sense of, well, people just settle for lesser desires, right? Um, They don't think they can attain the greater good, so they settle for a lesser good. And that's true to an extent. But I'm wondering just how much of that is also a generation of people who legitimately feel guilty in their desires. Like, yes, there are extreme examples of people who are caught up in lust or people who are caught up in greed, but um, a generation of people who misunderstand the church and her beauty, only seeing a set of rules and only looking at their desires against a set of rules and not trying to have that be the center of discussion with our Lord. Um, so it's, it's a weird kind of habit I've picked up um in my own prayer life but i'd my gut instinct when i want something is this is just an earthly desire i need to bring it to the lord because there's something to be purified here when really desire it's it's a human thing to want things even as mundane as we've been playing genshin impact and mm-hmm. it's a simple desire to want deluke because he slaps objectively like is that something to be guilty of? Absolutely not. I mean, it's such a kind of small scale desire. I don't even think I'd qualify it in the same way as I might desire um, the good of a brother. It's a petty, petty. We call that a petty desire, but yeah. a desire nonetheless. I mean, it's a it's a desire in the same way that um, you might impulse buy something when you're at a mall. Like you see something shiny, you're like, "Ooh, I want that." It's almost, it's more of an instinct than a desire, to be honest. Like, I want food, I'll eat. I want to destroy a bunch of slimes in three seconds. I will desire, in a small sense, Deluke. 
in a world full of abundant things. Yeah. Abundance. Yes, in a world full yeah. of abundance. These are the problems we have. And colloquially, they are known as first world problems. Yeah. And I mean, perspective is always important. Frankly, the problems we have in Canada right now, in like um, in the cities that we're living in, are not in any way the same as someone living like um, in a third world country. Like my problems are not the same as my cousins back in the Philippines because we have that privilege. If we want to use modern terms, but I, I think what I'm trying to get at is like. Imagine a generation that only knows the church as a set of rules, a set of regulations, a set of patterns and traditions and rituals to follow and not understand the underlying person behind all of it. Right. We do all of these things because we want to know God, not because we're just legalistic in that sense. Yeah, because the whole idea of the institutional structure of the church um, is under fire from a lot of different angles. Um, and when, when you come from a place of authority, there is kind of, um, what would you call it? Uh, um, a sense of like skepticism about the choice because, well, if we tout that we're all sinners and then we put somebody at the head of things, then you, you, you wonder where's the, where's the disconnect here? Yeah. Why should we trust that kind of authority? If it's, you know, not, really oh in some cases you could say not founded but again that argument's been going on for a long time a long time and we have yet to come to some kind of consensus on a wide scale um maybe because of misconceptions maybe because of um i don't know there are probably a lot of factors behind that and even sometimes the the you can see at least nowadays there's that sense of just the, the personal identity things, the personal, um, personal truths, personal logic, the subjectivity of everything um, that can kind of play a big part in the idea of this is a generational philosophy that we're trying to kind of careen and navigate through now because um, to be honest, it's, it's quite widespread and it's something that is self-defeating, but it's kind of almost like the um what's what's the word for i'm losing my words here um wishful thinking it's basically wishful thinking in a lot of ways yeah and, and we see it just way. in go ahead oh, oh yeah i was gonna say um because it's not so easy to be like oh well we just know what the truth is we're just hiding it from ourselves um because that just kind of doesn't hit the point very well and i think i mentioned that before where um we can't just turn around saying, Oh, you know what the truth is. You just don't want to admit because then we're just kind of like, we're going to get the okay boomer response and kind of have people go on their day. Um, because a, they don't care. And B it's just not a very terrible way of approaching the situation or the question at all. Um, so wanting to engage in that comes from the heart has to come from a different place of emotional maturity. Um, but in a way it's not completely wrong. Would you say, how many times have you... am I wrong to wrong to yes. what? Is it wrong um, to um, simply say to ourselves, okay, well, um, is there like a deep sense of what is right written on our hearts? Not because of it's something we've just nurtured ourselves into understanding, but simply it's naturally a part of us. This can be said for a lot of a lot of the political arguments that are going on nowadays. Um, 
And I'm not meaning this in a way that's going to be demeaning or kind of like ostracizing to any one of those groups or any one of those people individually who may consider any of the beliefs like that. Um, but what I'm really trying to get at in the, the heart of the discussion here is, is even in like our understanding of how we've been, you know, raised in our environment and stuff. Um, if we had been removed in any place, what would not change regardless? Oh, so this might be me being completely naive, but I think it's a sense of justice. Like, I believe underlying that is a desire for truth and a desire for relationship, but a consistent thing between um, even like between generations, right? As much as boomers and Gen Z's and millennials are kind of at each other's throats all the time, a sense of justice is underlying all of this. We want what is owed. And this kind of comes back to the desire thing, right? We have a desire for, in this case, justice. Um, and most people do not know how to pursue that, either because they think they can't contribute or they think they're not worthy to contribute, or they are guilted into thinking that their approach to justice is intrinsically wrong. And that is, oh boy, that's a discussion. <laughs> Um, maybe for another time, because that can, that's going to take a, that's going to take a while. Yeah, this isn't easy to talk about. Yeah. Like underlying it is, a de it's desire. Um, and I'm still trying to chew on like the inspiration that I got from the Clerically Speaking podcast, but I wonder what our world would look like if we weren't so guilty of the things we desired. Okay, qualify the good things that we desired. Because obviously we can desire things that are detrimental to us. But so many of the guys I talk to, even the good desires they have, they feel guilty of. Whether it be because they have this idea of toxic masculinity and a fear of conforming to that, or because um they were just never affirmed in their in their desires growing up right. or whatever. But how do we qualify what's like, good? That's the one I think issue that's going to be widespread in all of this is just like, okay, well, what do you find as good? It can be a very subjective thing yeah. nowadays. If we say, oh, that's a good thing. I mean, using our vocabulary is so common that it really does lose its meaning. And there's that sense of, uh, yeah. of disconnect between uh, what is actually good and what is good for somebody, but what is good to them. It's almost yeah. like there's two different words being used there and trying to figure out which one's being used in whatever context that we're talking about, whether it's, you know, in text, um, in just how someone's speaking when they use it, um, like all different forms of media, there's no, there's no consensus, consensus on the definition. Um, whether it's something that's metaphysical or something that's simply just a feeling. And that is the underlying problem of, of our generation, right? Who gets to justify and qualify what is yes. good? That is um, the question. And what would our answer be to that? Uh, well, it's almost cliche, but the very, very short and pithy answer is, well, God decides who's good. Like, cool. What if I don't believe in God? God what am I supposed to do about that, that? Somebody else right? is touting pushing on somebody else and then that's how exactly. it becomes oppressive and that's not, not how it's supposed to be yeah and that just yeah sorry mis 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 misconstrues okay. the vision that's trying to be portrayed because the message gets mud muddled and that is very very much true in today's society and as we secularize the world yeah. god becomes this person to be 
killed or defeated or uh or in some cases it's even something to be just ignored something that's just propaganda for some group that wants your money or wants your you know i guess wants your obedience and whatnot yeah yeah and i don't that's want to too much Though I think it's a good, good way of painting what the church looks like for most people. Just take a look at um, any popular JRPG. Exactly, you kill God at the end because God is a symbol of oppression, because God dictates what is and is not permissible. Um, and to be fair, like it might just be me. Um, I really want to hear your thoughts on this, but. A lot of the times when Catholic apologists are talking about the secular understanding of truth, it becomes very uncharitable. Like the common line of, oh, if you say there's no such thing as truth, is that a true statement? Is such a straw man way of thinking of the secular understanding of truth that it's it's starting to irritate me. Um, obviously, I believe in objective truth um, and we know objective truth through God, but if we're going to have discussions like this, we should probably understand what the interlocutor is talking about when they say truth. Here's just a kind of a amorphous they, but. Um, and obviously, I'm not a philosopher, so listeners, please correct me on this because I desperately want to have a discussion about truth with everybody, but. In simple terms, um, a secular understanding of truth is it's something completely distinct from fact. Like fact and truth are not the same thing in the way that Catholics seem to treat it. Um, so fact is something like there is a phone in front of me right now. Now, you can't see that. So even that is kind of um, an act of faith. But you're listening to a podcast right now, or you're listening to someone talk right now. That is a fact. Truth is a matter of interpretation. And because interpretation is always filtered through a flawed human perspective, we can never actually understand what is true. So the statements like, is there no such thing as, or the statement, there is no such thing as truth. To say that it's false kind of misses the point of the argument. It's, well, truth is not something rooted in reality. It's something rooted in interpretation. And again, if I'm strawmanning the argument, someone please correct me. But it's not as simple for us, at least when we're talking about these ideas, we can't just say that oh, secular society doesn't believe in objective truth. Like, they don't believe in objective truth, but they are still willing to talk about truth. And I've met a number of people who actually want to talk about in a, like the bigger and topics, whether they're yeah. on the fence or whether they've actually already decided to commit to a certain um, system of beliefs or they're trying to commit to um, some philosophy, whether that's something that's just lifestyle changes um, or whatnot. And they're willing to talk about it and they're curious about it. Because when they see people who are sharing their passion about for a specific thing against maybe the popular opinions against that, um, they want to know, especially if it's someone they know well enough. Because we hide these kind of things about ourselves, these important aspects. And in a world that's coming out of the closet, I think Catholics need to feel the same way. 
Yeah. And again, I kind of want to hear your opinion on this because I'm, for those of you who don't know, I studied English in university. So I love talking about semantics and language and jargon. But just the way um, like modern philosophy talks about truth, where truth is something subjective or something personal. I find it kind of compelling, to be honest, insofar as, well, if we are to say God is a person, then God kind of is implicated in that. So if truth is subjective and God is the subject of truth, then he becomes someone we can dialogue oh. and discourse with to understand where he's coming right. from. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Okay, right? so my thoughts on that. That is how we that is how we talk about so we should be talking about God, in my my humble opinion, because when I think of objectivity, I think of like the cold, hard truth. Um, and this is this is purely an emotive response to the idea. Um, and that's not something I'm like, yeah, yeah it's also like 10 o'clock. So we're not the most coherent right now. So yeah, please forgive us if we're not. Eloquent. And that's exactly kind of the biggest point. God is the judge at the you know at the pulpit or at the stand or whatever the judge's desk is called that, that thing you know making making those harsh condemnations and even when we know of his love and stuff and that he cares and wanting to bring about justice it's still that separation and even if we do see him as a person um when that person has a subjective belief whether we care about it or not if it is wrapped in what is well, it's not wrapped in what is right, but it is what is right. Because we can say stuff and it's wrapped in what is right. Yeah. Because it's coming from us and our own personal biases and stuff. So the words that we use, the semantics, the jargon, those things come out in it. But when we listen, when we take in that language, we can dissect it and find out the points of, you know, the main points. And again, when you're, you know, taking apart dialogue or taking apart people's um, rhetoric, it can get to a point where you're scrupulously looking through each word choice and being like, well, this is meant because this person is, is actually meaning this. And you can, you can run down the rabbit hole on that one. What I'm trying to say is. Uh, you become one of those Christians who are like, well, the Greek actually says like, shut it. up. Yes. We get it. You're we smart. This is coming from someone who studied <laughs> yeah, classics. you know the, the difficulties but... with translations for all those languages. So, yes. Yeah. So, if we frame it differently, let's frame it like this. We frame it like, okay, God's a person. You can dialogue with him. You can interact with him. He has the subjective, you know, he has his own form of subjectivity. Um, and we can, and at this point, in this juncture, I could be like, okay, well, then we could say, okay, well, that subjectivity is actually just objectivity masked because again, as a person, we need to change the language to make it sound. Okay. Well, this is what makes him more personable is the fact that there is that idea of like what he says is actually the truth. But then that just wrapping objectivity around and being like, look, it's the same thing. And then you can have a heyday with that. People might believe you. People might not. Let's try the alternative. The alternative is what the God, what God says to be true because he is truth is his subjective opinion on things. The God of the universe has subjective opinions, let's say, who knows all, has seen every oh, single path. Yeah, qualified, but... Oh, I was saying... Oh, continue, oh, no sorry. Words. I'm just talking um, about... Well, let's see like this. So, God, 
created the universe, sees all things, knows all things. Um, BC puts all of that into play um, in his idea of creation, his idea of how he thinks, where, what's right, what's wrong, all that stuff, subjective. He made it up, but he also created the things that ended up getting to think for themselves, that being us human beings. So we, are now, we have now have that code in a way, let's say like a moral code written on our hearts. And again, hypothetically speaking, um, I'm not speaking from the chair on this one. So, um, so human beings, we have this moral code written on our hearts. We know what's good, what's bad. We want, we want things. And we can have our own personal opinions on things because we have the free will to think about it in the ways we want. Um, and we can talk about the whole free will thing later. We kind of, I know that can get into a big rabbit hole. So um, I'm going to avoid that for now. But anyway, continuing on. So we have free will. We can choose to think, act, and be as we, as we are. And God can't say two things about it because, well, his opinion is just subjective, right? So, okay. Now, now we get to a crossroads of like, okay, well, here's the you do you mentality coming up because like, well, at that point, then we're free. We can do good, some good things, some bad things. And like, God could be the, like the, the mediator of that. He knows all of it, right? So from time, yeah. time zero to time, like whatever, the end of time itself, sees all these things, knows every single path to a butterfly effect, everything all included. If we want to understand God truly as a person with hyper-cognitive ability, if that person, let's say, existed in the world today, who could walk around and um, tout truth, know a person inside and out, um, know every single path, possibility, and can calculate all the benefits, everything. Um, but the parameters, the parameters by which we gauge what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, and it's his subjective opinion of, okay, this tweaking of everything, that's the perfect thing I want in the end. And I have the power to change all that stuff because I'm God. But I'm letting you do your thing. And I can see that you're growing in goodness in these areas, but all these other ones, not so good. And it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. thanks, boo. But... uh I kind of like those things about myself. Yes. Thanks, I like those things about myself. I don't want to change. <laughs> and I will never change. Well, okay then, is the response. Now, envision this like it's a discussion between two friends who don't see eye to eye on something. Can you still live in communion with them? Can you still live in peace? I say so. Maybe your experience is different. But now, yeah. Yes. For I mean, some, for some things. Um, so, but yeah, there are cases where that doesn't work out, and then there's a complete separation. You just disown the person, and you never see them again. Fine. Yeah. And assuming the terminality, like the, the it's the terminal of life is, is death, and that is it. We can take everything into accumulation. Um, let's say everything was recorded. We can play everything back from the beginning and see it. You know, in our last moments. Okay, here's everything that's happened. Here's all these things I did. Sure, maybe did some things that were stupid that even I now don't think is great. But it's like that's just how it goes. You know, it is how it is. Um, doesn't the laissez-faire mentality just find itself anywhere? You can make that excuse anywhere. 
And it's just like, ah, it's all good, man. It's just yeah. how life was. Or yeah, yeah, I did that stupid thing. It's okay. Yeah, it may have cost me like my life and you know potential future of goodness, but like, eh, is how it is. I had my moments I'm here for a good time, not a long time. We could, we could say that. We yeah. could literally turn all of our lives into um, simply one big yellow moment. In that respect, you could say, well, there was a shred of goodness, and it meant a lot to me. So that's enough. If we are a society that desires, mm-hmm. if we are a society that wants, maybe even greedily wants things, would we not choose or, or should we not choose for the absolute best if we had the gift of foresight, if we could see the future and infinitely into the past with all our memories intact, like, like this God person is who you could interact with. Would that not mean that he can cater to the desires of our heart in a full and complete way and help us to get to that point if we would just listen? Because he doesn't force himself on us. He simply just says, well, here's how I think it would work out. Think of that like as, your, you know, as a good friend of yours, maybe that doesn't see eye to eye with you, but makes a really darn good point. And you in your pride speaking for myself here, um, say, well, no, I still think that you're wrong. Have a good day and be on your way. Um, and then everything that they said comes to pass. And this is one of the points where it could be like, well, he could easily just say, I told you so. And sure, that would, that would kind of bite. But at the end of the day, what would that really benefit? And again, we can we can argue about how the potential like reactions could be. And again, rabbit hole. Um, point being, in all of this, if there was like foresight for all this stuff, would there not exist some form of optimal optimal like solution for something? Now, in when it comes to like mathematically solving for the optimal path and like say some kind of algorithm, there are situations where there are multiple optimal algorithms. Um, with everything tweaked in the right way that, you know, this is the best we can get. Here's where I'm confused. If there are multiple possible endings to this game of life, which one do I pick? Can I pick at random and get the same, same, you know, response in all of them? Do I just have to pick and choose between my favorite bits that I want to be in the hundred percentile? or I guess 100% range of like, this is where you're getting the most out of life. Whereas others are like, I can sacrifice those things. If we got the right to choose, how would we choose, Mike? It's almost deceptively simple. But which one do you want? What if I want all of them? Can you have all of them? Is it even possible? Humanly possible. Now, this is where it gets abstract because you could say everything is possible with God which it is, um, in my humble understanding of heart and mind and soul. However, um, let's just say we don't know. Let's, let's, let's put that as the answer, theoretically, is we don't know. Um, you get like the X many doors in front of you and you get to pick one. And okay, purely for transparency, because we're kind of talking around personal experiences, but for me, at least, 
this is all kind of underlying my problems with vocation, with discernment, and with, in my case right now, choosing yeah. a career. Um, so for our listeners right now, I've been... <laughs> and there are a couple of people who are going to be listening to this just kind of horrible flashbacks of, ah, oh, crap, here we go again, Mike. Because I am the patron saint of flopping, but that's that's a that's a later discussion. So, yeah. Underlying question for our generation is one: What do you want? Is it good? Cool. If it's not good, then we can work around that. But let's say it's good. Let's say you have multiple good options in front of you. It really is as simple as choosing one, and honestly and earnestly pursuing Amen. it. I think the problem is just in the pursuit. I mean, looping back to the whole thing about desire, right? Is once we start going down that rabbit hole of, am I worth it? Am I good enough? Is this, um, is this for me? Is the easiest way to put it. Then we kind of, we just we stop progressing. There's no momentum. And not that is holiness about progress. I don't know. I'll leave that to a theologian. Call one up later. But at the very least, if I am to say that I desire God. Um, which is to say I should. Which is to say what? Um. In in light of our discussion, it is like God is the ultimate good. He is the fulfillment of all my desires. He is the one who I am yearning for. I'm about to get poetic, and I'm not going to because we don't have time for that. But God is the one, the person that I want to be with. Like, that is my end goal. He is my end goal. The question is, how do I get there? I mean, any other desire of this earth, if you honestly desire it, you have a kind of game plan ready. And this is being super reductive, um, but purely for the sake of arguments. And again, because I'm not the most articulate or or coherent right now. Um, If you want something here on this earth, you you have a game plan and you go for it, even if you might fail. In fact, especially if you might fail. We've heard this so often. Like the fear of failure, if the fear of failure is not a reality, then you're either not desiring enough or you're not being honest about what you desire. Most times, I think it's you're not being honest about what you desire. Um, and we can we can take this practically too, can't we? Too and like you're talking about discernment, and I, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, eventually we'll get into a full episode on this at some point. Um, talking about both um, Mike and I's discernment journey. Um, we can infinitely just debate over the potential options of picking one path over another, um, asking the Lord for a sign. Because if He is the ultimate good, that means He would have the optimal path. Um, and maybe there are many of these yeah. that we'll eventually get to. But what if they're the same conclusion? It just we it happens in different ways. Then that way it doesn't really matter as long as we get to that end. Um, well, not, not well, trying, no, I'm maybe. not trying to fight and justify the means here. Is not what I'm doing. Like okay. multiple okay. doors, and eventually they all just converge, converge on the same thing. Not trying to like get into the moral argument of this, but this yeah. anyway. Um, so talking about like discernment, discernment for vocation. Um, 
for the Catholic that is vocation to, let's say, the priesthood, to religious life, or to married life, or to single life. Um, there's a lot of options there. And we need to investigate them thoroughly to know for sure if it's the right choice or not, because that literally encompasses the rest of our lives. That is what we orient our entire lives over. Yeah. For the mother and the, for the father, it's their children. It's the family. You work to keep it alive. For the religious order, it is for maintaining your community. It is for serving. It is for doing what you can to praise God and to do it in the utmost way, according to your charism. For the priest, it is to serve Holy Mother Church to her, well, to her constituents, the laity. And it is to be an example of Christ in the world. It's to administer to the sick, the dying. It's to do all these things. So when you're choosing, you know, choose with God beside you, hoping to guide you through it. Because for me, I want plan A. Because there's always a plan B. There's always those other options you can pick, which aren't quite as optimal, maybe not quite as what God made you for, you could say. Um, so how do we pick plan A? And I've struggled with this for months. What is plan A? And how do I pick it in good faith? Because I'm trying to discern this on my, I feel like at some point is it's me trying to, on my own efforts, discern this. Then I end up reaching reaching the brick wall. I bring it to prayer, hopefully helping with that guidance. But almost on purpose, and this is just, this is me, my interpretation of how the responses are almost on purpose. The Lord just kind of like, no, don't worry about this right now. Keep focusing this small stuff because I'm always looking too far ahead. Um, I'm looking at the horizon before I look at my, my own two feet and avoiding the pitfalls that lie therein. So I'm constantly getting, even though I look at the ground way too much, I'm literally losing my head in the clouds and forgetting that I'm supposed to be walking here. So, so right now I've just really relegated myself to, I'm taking it one day at a time. It's all I can do. As much as I'm just like, I just want to know where to go for that plan A. And hopefully, um, Lord, the Lord leads me there. The Lord hopefully will uh, will guide me to the ultimate end that He desires for me. Now, one mm. thing that kind of puts me off of what, like in a way, uh, from it is the general fear of the sacrifices and whatnot. Because again, we all desire things, and this is where my own personal desire yeah. comes in. So, in a way, me actually recognizing and acknowledging that I have those kind of biases that are basically artificially and intentionally inhibiting my discernment to potentially one path or the other. Um, in a way that what that's done is simply it just artificially like um, like handcuffed me from making any progress. So you have to relinquish it. Yeah. You relinquish it and you hope that and what I, I expect is going to happen, you stumble into plan A. I am most likely going to stumble and when I mean stumble, I mean probably like careen off into a ditch. And in that ditch, I'm like, oh, look, there it is. Yeah. And my life is settled for at that point. Or not settled, but it's simply it's a new journey that you're picking yeah. up from. From the highway to the yeah. lone country road to the dirt path. And eventually <laughs> to that one place where we can finally lay our head and rest eternally. Because it's a journey. It's not just about the destination. And everything, everything will count. Yeah. So like what I find absolutely fascinating about this entire discussion is like 
those people who just know. Like, almost instinctually. Um, not that there isn't thought and discernment there, but... Um, but basically, like... In the context of marriage, people who, quote-unquote, know that the person is the one, I find that fascinating. Like, there's a point where it's just... It's not a question of, is this what God is calling me to? It's more, how am I going to make this work? Like the transition between discernment and, as you said, stumbling into a vocation is when you ask the question, how do I make this work? Not, is this meant for me? Um, so kind of being a little bit vulnerable, but my biggest impediment to my discernment is that I tried to figure, I tried to explore everything because I had that anxiety of, well, what if God was actually calling me to something else? The biggest problem in my discernment is that I tried to figure out everything. I tried to discern everything at the same time. Religious life, married life, the priesthood, even in a weird way, single life. I tried to figure out what all of those things looked like because I had that anxiety of what if God is calling me to somewhere else? Completely denying the fact that I actually have a desire in my heart. Like, I want to be in a relationship. Like, I want to get married. I want to have kids. But me making things infinitely more complicated, I thought, well, 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 what if, what if God really wanted you to be a priest and you're depriving people of your priesthood, which is the most prideful thing to say. And it's it just shot me in the foot in every possible path because I wasn't actually discerning a vocation. I was discerning what wasn't my vocation, which is not what we're trying to do. Um, basically, my last few years in university were just a mess of confusion because I refused to pursue that thing I honestly desired because there was almost a guilt of not giving everything else an opportunity. Um, and part of that is my own ignorance, part of that's my own insecurity, and um, frankly, immaturity. I mean, just talking to some of the guys on like a university campus and youth ministry, I feel like it's not an uncommon way of thinking of discernment, trying to do everything, trying to figure out everything. But really, and this is me kind of talking out loud again. Part of discernment is actually ties in pretty nicely with the discussion we were having earlier, right? About truth and having your own truth. Um, let's assume that what you're pursuing in the vocational sense is good, right? And you have, let's say, your own truth. Discernment is just listening to God who's saying, what about my truth? Are you willing to listen to my truth? And a lot of the times, like, surprise, surprise, the things you desire are good. Like, they will lead you to God. It's not something you have to stress about. Well, actually, in the, the kind of, to, you know, piggyback off this with what I mentioned before in our, our, our discussion previously. Um, if, if life is an is, is experience of relationship or a series of relationships, yes, that means you've been influenced and you know, basically raised by many people. 
in our lives. Every person who has informed us of something or helped us to grow in a certain way or helped us to um, make a decision uh, for better or for worse. All of those make us up and make up the desires of our heart. Can those be altered and changed based on someone else? Well, yes. And in some cases, something never changes. And that usually is always sometimes the best parts of us. And that's just me, not just me trying to be, again, wishfully thinking because there are parts of us that we need to address that are still there and always have been that are not so good. And it's a constant battle between both sides because we're told by some people informs our uh, thoughts and opinions. And other. It's like your environment basically changes you. And I've seen this firsthand over, over the course of university and how my speech patterns have changed and how like my thinking changes based on the people I'm around, especially if it's consistent. Like, like for example, if it was like among like friends that I see pretty much every day, it's like, I should pick up their speech patterns, their pet, their mannerisms, that kind of thing. FaceTime. And just being in the company of somebody else informs the heart, the mind, and the soul. And in a way, some parts of us are lost in the process. Are they lost completely? Not always. But the person that makes us into, you know, the, the impurities that are pulled out, and in some cases, it's the extra stone that's chipped off. That could be lost. However, however important that you know loss is, what you're gaining, is it worth it? If you can ask yourself that question and say, yes, it's worth it. Well, you could A, be really misinformed and naive like yours truly. Or uh, in some way, case, in ways, shapes, or forms, after running the data and looking everything over everything over and really, really thinking about it because you know it matters. You can make a decision in good faith. Oh no, now I'm gonna start thinking about okay. Pray aside <laughs> and don't worry. Plugging for Ascension Presents his book that I kept thinking about where it's like that's that's one of the key messages is to really think it over, consult the heart and the mind and the soul make a decision so you're not sitting in limbo for months on end don't do what we did ladies and gentlemen and decide and then just don't be anxious about it anymore make this stick to it yeah don't ask the girl out if you're also don't, discerning the priesthood don't do just it guys throwing don't that out do it. all the guys don't do it don't do it i have don't been told by many a girl not to do it it is not safe digressing Point being made. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is really how we have to look at our decision making process in life. And maybe yeah. down the line, okay. some years, you look back and you're like, "Well, after all that thought, after all that effort, I still made the wrong decision." I think. As long as you can live with that fact and look to build in the, a better direction with the time that you have left, that is what matters. And then, some way, I'm thinking really theologically now, looking back. Um, um, and the kind of seeing kind of where I'm going with this. That's why I like deathbed conversions, deathbed baptisms. They're valid because we are on a roller coaster of choice. 
over the course of our lives. And every decision um, can harm us, can benefit us, can do a mixture of the both of both of those things. And in the end, until the lights go out, everything is still up to change. Now, whether or not there's yeah. merit in doing those things just because you can is up for a lot of debate and should be really heavily considered. Because, it's, yeah, no, don't be impulsive in your decision making and don't just do it because you can. Which is why when we say that there's an objective truth and we say there's, there's a truth that um, is the utmost good, in a way what we're saying is You don't choose to use your freedom to do something just because you can, because you ought to. And what gives us the authority to say we ought to do something? Well, and to me, what comes to mind is if we're serving somebody, if we're serving somebody who frankly needs it, maybe if they're not, and maybe if you're serving somebody who knows better and you know who knows better, because you are looking to grow and to be more like them. We see that in our mentors, those people who are, um, you know, like our senseis who teach us the ways of becoming a master or those kind of things. It's, it's humbling ourselves to some form of authority of the student learning from the teacher, then become the teacher to then lead others on that same path. Now, this comes in many forms, good, bad, ugly. Um, and again, there's, there's that, you know, that level of like, you know, well, where's the objectivity in all of this? You could say like working for a pyramid scheme is actually a good thing and then make a really hard argument why it's not. Ladies and gentlemen, they are not good anyway. But like, see, like you can make an argument for just about anything. Um, and whether or not it holds up depends on who is listening. So I guess I'm kind of losing my train of thought on that and where I'm going with this. But to me, there just feels like there's something, there's something about life that allows for all of this. And I think that's what makes it so precious. That it lets us it lets us go so far so far gone that the grace that brings us back to the point where we are now no longer burdened by everything that happened to then walk the straight path the path that was made out for us from the very beginning and just revel in the fact of why did it take me so long to choose this and how happy I am now because of it. Those tears are both tears of joy and tears of sorrow. But at the end, it is the most fulfilling thing. It is a joy that is beyond knowledge. And it's something I desire. If I need to, well, not saying I need to go off the deep end to find it. um, But simply just pursuing and keeping to my goals and, and doing the utmost that I can. And so, well, maybe not yeah. off the deep end, but so yeah. I mean, you really just have to walk about 
one step out of your comfort oh, zone. Yes, outside the box. Out. Taking up the call yeah. adventure. Is, oh, I'm, oh, we can talk about this. Yeah. I'll kind of let you take the reins with it, but the hero's journey. <laughs> we are the protagonist of our own. Oh, well, the actually only protagonist. The, yeah. the only protagonist, but we are a protagonist, if not the MC, okay. for our our life story. And yeah. those can take, you know, those stories can be very, very compelling. And how does that really kind of, I guess, tie into everything we've talked about? But I don't know, I thought of it, I thought maybe that'd be a good segue. Um, I don't know if this is actually going to transition well, but so I'm a big believer and <laughs> this is kind of the fruit of me thinking about um, Descartes and his philosophy. You know, I think therefore I am like, hmm, cute, but that puts so much emphasis on like the person and the individual that I never really understood because I'm a very big believer that we are a mystery unto ourselves. Like, yeah, we know ourselves better than um, anyone else might know us other than God, but even to ourselves, we are a mystery. And it kind of ties into what you're talking about of being the protagonist of our own story. Like part of the beauty of our lives is figuring out what that entails, what the story looks like. Realizing first that everyone is just as intricate and just as interesting and beautiful as you are. And then figuring out like, what are the extents of one, my desire? Like what are the limitations of what I desire? And how can I move past them? Like if our faith is about a relationship, then being in relationship with God takes us outside of that comfort zone. It pushes us into things we did not think we could do. Um, like so much of, I mean, my personal faith journey is just <laughs> not wanting to do something, realizing that it's because I'm being lazy or being insecure and that the Lord has, Lord has my back and taking that step. Coming to Brock was kind of that leap of faith for me. And like, yeah, I might have. Hmm. If you had asked me a year ago if I had regrets about uh, my life choices, because I've been to three different universities, three different programs. Uh, I've had so many different careers and jobs that I kind of lose count. If you asked me a year ago, do you have regrets? I'd say absolutely. I wish I could change a thousand different decisions that I made. I'm at a point now where, yeah, those moments sucked. But if it were not for those choices, if it were not for struggling with trying to know who God is, trying to develop this relationship, realizing that I'm not the one instigating any of this, that the Lord was there the entire time reaching out. Um, taking that leap of faith, taking his hand, just going for it. I would not be here right now talking to you at 1124 about the deep mysteries of life in a barely coherent, garbled, kind of staticky way. Wow. Well, 
all I can really say is that was incredibly cheesy, but I love it. But I love it. Oh, yeah. Patron, I am gunning for patron of cheese. I don't care what anyone else says. It's mine. Yeah. Being. Well, OK. Am I allowed? Yes. Is yes, that, you are. Yes, you, you are. Can you are entitled to that. How do I aspire to that? Am I just going to talk in cheesy one liners the rest of my life as I'm if like I haven't been doing that already for you? Please, and with, please, please, well, please. And with that, really, it's like, I, I think I think you have that running for you. We are hopeless romantics, both of us. So um, I'm just feeding off of this. I'm feeding off of this content just as much as I think our viewers might be or just completely irritated and tired of our or well nonsense to put it lightly it's funny because joel and i feed off each other's cheesiness when we both know that we're <laughs> lack of intolerance sad sad times man sad times don't do this to us do not like this not like this it's incredible secret reveals it's all right yeah. <laughs> with me at all times were those the lactose pills? a very empty container of them almost empty yeah, you know it's a problem when they have the pizza right next to me at my desk. The world's cruel. The world is cruel. Do the thing. Do I even remember where how this started? See, this is the problem. This is why we're recording this, because I would have forgotten before going to bed. But all I can say yes. is you guys won't. Oh, okay. So what is life? This started off as like a prayer hour where I had a small kind of inclination of a career path um then we started talking about it in our in our prayer call and joel was like this is juicy material that's recorded he didn't say juicy i did but so we started recording and then an hour later we we went over truth justice the meaning of life how to have good discussion how to desire things the penultimate life talk that's what I'm calling that. Only the penultimate life and talk. Because that just sounds yeah. so second rate. <laughs> it's great. It's by definition second rate. Yeah. But the, Is it ultimate? Penultimate. No, it's penultimate. <laughs> the ultimate dessert. Uh, Cassandra, please make I'm not even sure if this is worth putting in like the intro for. We're just, just going to throw this in as no. this is the extra. This is it. This is this is this is our late night content. Enjoy, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Please sponsor us. Also, Ascension. If you wanna, if you wanna reach out and give us money for discussions like this, we are open to negotiations. So, with that said, I think we should go to bed unless you wanna like. Play some Genshin for another like half hour, hour. That would turn into like that might turn into like two yeah. hours. That that is another metaphor for sin, right? Mm, Just yep, half yep, an yep. hour. Students, students out there going into midterms, if you're telling yourself, "I'll finish it in the morning," that Satan talking, rebuke him immediately. Go to sleep, please, please, please. Yeah. And on that note. Let's let's close with a prayer. Craig, YouTube, get up. What? You're scrolling through Reddit. 
Heathen. Heathen. What? Any memes? <laughs> Look at this guy. R slash waifu. Yes. Man of culture. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Oh. No, no, we're just joking. And on Don't that. Cry. Note. No, no, no. Come, come over here. You're going to draw us from here. Okay. Can you leave? Okay, no. We'll, okay, we'll leave this time. Maybe next time. Next time. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. All right. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, King of the universe, why do you inspire our hopeless romantic hearts in such a way that we, you put some bros in a call super late at night, turning into a podcast about truth, a relationship with you, all those wonderful things I'm sure that um, I guess lots of people need to hear and I guess content that I guess, I guess works. I, I don't know why it ended up being this way, but in the moment we felt the Spirit's call for that. So here we are. And so we thank you. We thank you for that, all the gifts that you offer us in this time and the fruit that comes from it. Pray that with your providence, um, as we trust in you, that what is impossible may be made possible and the Yerma truth may sing, sing true uh, in the hearts of everyone. Um, thank you for Mike. Thank you for Mike's just amazing rhetoric that just vibes so well with me and I just enjoy listening to him and um, and how he's been able to kind of guide me along all this uh, all this time to really think about these things in a very very intimate way, um, a way that's kind of what would you what would you what would you say for this? Maybe maybe necessary, maybe maybe providential in a way you could say. But regardless, you have made this time for us, and we are offering it up to you. It really is a gift, and I'm so thankful. It's a, it's a grace, and there's not much other other real things I can say other than we're really unworthy of it. And simply, simply put, I don't think I don't think we could we could you know do much uh, much better than this simply just being honest being genuine about who we are and all of our clumsiness and whatnot and all of our sin too so we offer that up to you lord thank you for for offering that and uh for all you do for us so we offer this in uh, in your name and pray for continued fellowship between us as we continue to work for stability in our own lives figuring out our vocation figuring out what your plan is for us, the plan A that we both desire that you've crafted specifically for us. And though it might have an ending that you know, you're not one to give out spoilers. And that's kind of nice. Makes the experience fresh. And I'm sure you know it. So Lord, thank you so much for this. We offer um, we offer our thanks and uh, we continue to to await you and in all you have planned for us. Man, Lord, you're just, you're so good to us. And, uh, 
I'm a man who prides himself in knowing what to say. And time and time again, Lord, you just leave me speechless with how much you provide and give to us. Lord, I'm just so excited to see what comes next. So excited to see how we're going to love you, how you're going to love us in the future. <laughs> Lord, maybe it's just me being tired or being impulsive or having the childlike heart. I'll leave it up to you, but. I am not going to be ashamed to love you, Lord. In the weird, awkward, fumbling way that I have. So. Whatever comes next. Whatever the future holds. We leave it in your hands because in this moment, Lord. We're just happy to be with you. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the Universal Church, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good night.